Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and later I'll be joined by regular contributor Paul Third as we talk to Aberdeen's Cup double winning manager Alex Smith about his long managerial career. Plenty of experience, not just at Aberdeen, but also at Ross County. And we'll talk about the full span of Alex's life in football. He's living in Australia now and he tells us a little bit about that as well. Alex was very generous with his time so we've decided to split this interview into two parts with part two to come next week. But yes, part one, let's get into it. All right then, thanks, thanks Alex then for agreeing to chat to us. That's okay. Today we've done a few of these interviews. Paul, are you okay? I'm fine, yes. Okay, well... Yeah, we're going to talk through Alex. If you'll be so gracious, all your, all the various highlights of your your football career. I think Paul's going to kick us off by going back to what the very beginning, or we're going to talk a little bit about where you live now, Alex, Australia. Well, let's let's start by you telling us the truth, Alex. You've swapped Scotland so you can enjoy birthday barbecues on the beach in Australia on Christmas Day, have you? <laughs> I don't like this fan, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surrounded with this fan. Honest, I come over to a place that there's beaches and hundreds of miles of beaches. I don't swim. I'm not that fond of the sand. <laughs> and there's golf courses. I'm staying next to a golf course, right next to it, an 18-hole classic golf course. And I don't play a stroke of golf. And we jockey in the more back home. And <laughs> <laughs> so it was perfect then? It was perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing everything in the end. They can do so, <laughs> and I'm bad at it. So, <laughs> so no, no, for, it's good. I'm enjoying it. For for a man um, such as yourself, I mean, emigrating after retiring from football, it hasn't taken you long to get back on the training ground, has it? Out there? No, I didn't really, Paul. I, I came, when I came over with Janice in uh, June uh, 2018, uh, uh, a couple of weeks, and. Um, my wee grandson, who was six at the time, was kicking the ball about. He's not really, he wasn't really into football. And uh, I noticed the local team had a clinic for young footballers. And uh, I put his name in, took him over. And the coach was for Liverpool. He had worked with Everton for, for about seven years. A guy called Michael Keaton. And... Uh, I spoke to him and he took him in the clinic and after two or three weeks he was talking about football, he was telling me about Everton and different things and I was talking about the game and and uh, so on, so on and it's up the fourth week and he actually he, he got around and he asked me how I was so interested in football So right at, the, right at the start of that Alex, did you have to sort of, how did you sort of explain who you were and your background in the game or did he recognise you was there did you not have to no, explain yourself no no I, I, I just spoke to him about being uh, Eden's grandfather his papa and uh, I would like him to start kicking the ball properly and uh, bring him up here I noticed in the paper I was in him up to do that and I, I didn't give Michael any tips on passing or control or anything like that. I just, I just spoke about the kids, how they learn. And, uh, but he was, he got intrigued and, uh, 
he asked me one night how uh, how I like football so much. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story, <laughs> and I had to I had to tell him that I, I was fifty years a manager in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> what fifty years I see as a manager, I another ten give a give or take one couple of when I was injured uh, uh, sixty. So it was 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you'll indulge me, if you'll indulge me, let's go back to the start then before you, you've ended up out there. Um, born in Cowie, near Stirling. Born, um, in, born in Cowie, yeah. And through the same Mine youth team. Was, in Cowie. <laughs> through, through the same youth team with a certain Billy Bremner. Yeah, I did actually. I, uh, and when I was brought up in Cowie, it was a football place. It was a minor's place. It had good local football teams and School team was good. It wasn't a big school, but it was good. I played in the school team for I was twelve year old and was captain at thirteen and a half, fourteen. I was mounted to, and uh, yeah, when I left school, I went and joined uh, a couple of juvenile clubs. One was Dollar at the bottom of local hills, and I was there for a month or two. And then I signed for a team in Stirling at the bottom of the castle called Gowan Hill United. The hill that the castle sits on actually is actually the name of it, Gown Hill. So there was this under 21 juvenile team who I played uh, a trial for and, and signed for them. Uh, and I was playing away with them and in the pre season training, uh, that's when I met Billy. We had finished our hard training, you know, the heavy running part of the pre season training, and we were trained by a coach who was an ex referee senior referee, a man called George McDonald. So after the training, we were going to go into a small-sided game. There was 15 of us, another number. And uh, we were going to go into this game, and this little lad standing astride his bike, he shouted over to me, and he must have seen a couple of games because he knew my first name. And, and I went across and I said, what is he? He was, he was five feet nothing, to be honest. You know, he was small and and say it's standing on a Friday, bicycle, as they do with sand shoes on, you know, with the old soft shoes. And he says, Alec, do you think you could ask the coach if I could get a game? Oh, I said, I don't know. So I said, what's your name? He says, Billy. I says, oh, OK, Billy, I'll go over and ask him. So I run across to George and I said, George, we fella want a game over there. I said, uh, he managed to be able to count the numbers and we've got an odd number and he'd like to take a game if you could give him a game. He says, no, he looked over and says, no, 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 no. No, he's too small. He's too risky. If he gets hurt, I'll get to jail. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so I ran away back across to him and uh, I said to Billy, uh, Billy, sorry, he's refusing me. He's not allowing it. He says it's too dangerous. Oh, oh. Oh, so, I, so I turned to come away from him. So I said, turned and came away. I mean, I was a year and a half, two years older than Billy, so I'm going back on the field again. And I hear him shouting, Ah, I, ah, I. A minute, I said, What is it this time? He said, You try and ask, will you ask him again? He said, Ask him again. I said, Aye, ah, okay, then I'll, I'll go now. So I went across now. The wee boy's desperate to play. He said, Well, I okay then put him on the right hand side with you and keep him in the side of the park and keep him in trouble 
and uh, so I went and told him, you have to come on and get us a bike. And when he comes, in honesty, God, he was unbelievably good. He, he was controlling the ball, he was passing the ball, he was dribbling, he was shooting for the goal. He was involved in everything, tackling, and just a super player. And the more I seen him, I said, this, this is special. And and because I'd done that for him, he, he walked down the street to me, down down to the dressing room, or rode down and left me there, came over on a Saturday, watched their game on a Saturday, stood at the side of the park. And uh, I was a friend for life with him. He, he became a tough, quite a tough player when he went to England, when he was six, 17, 18. He became known as being one of the toughest players. And that was a lot to do with a, a, a great ex-Celtic player, a called Bobby Collins, who played for Celtic in his heyday in the 50s, went to Everton as a star. Then after Everton, he came to Leeds. And he was a small guy. He was only five foot five or something. And he was he was built, strongly built. And he taught Billy to look after himself on the field. He taught him how to be tough uh, to, to tackle. He taught him how to handle himself, to stand up for himself, and to be able to compete with the strongest players in the game and face up to them and never... And he developed into being the best, one of the best all-round players in terms of fitness, strength, skill, ambition, and leadership. He, he was clearly a dear friend, Alex. Um, yes, while he's going on. Um, pursuing his dreams in, in England at the time I guess you you went through a, a, a few clubs as a as a, a player in your, <laughs> back up in Scotland oh. Kilmarnock Stenis Muir still in Albion yeah, East Stirling yeah, Albion Rovers in it at that time Paul I was I went to sign for Kilmarnock Kilmarnock came and signed me and that was great for me I was a reserve and thinking oh that's great you're just one one kick away for the first team in the, in the first division, top level, you made the grade. That was a, that was a saying at the time. Play for a team in the first division, you made the grade. And in 1960, there was a game at Hamden between Real Madrid and Eintracht. Uh, 136,000 of the game, European Cup final. And Real Madrid had won the European Cup five times in a row. They were going for six times in a row. And the place was packed. Billy and I decided to go here. And we were a couple of wee jack of lads thinking we have just arrived as senior players. Here we go. You know, <laughs> we made the grade. And we went to that game and we got the biggest lesson of how to play football and how to win games and how to dribble and how to, how to calm defences with passes and how to just be a great team. And we came out of that part, had won 7-3. Uh, the great game, Stefano, Puskas, Gento. Wonderful, wonderful players. And we're talking about it coming out. And Billy said to me, he said, Billy, he said, oh, we thought we thought we made it in this game. He says, he says, after watching that, he says, we've got a bloody mountain to climb. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a mountain to climb. 
No, he claimed he claimed the note. He claimed it. Me, I bounced off the first ledge, I think. I got injured. <laughs> and ended up uh, a signed for Senage Muir. He, he, he got a good part-time club in the second division. We were doing well in the old second division. Had good players and had good players too. And I'm Willie Wallace, who was a Lisbon Lion. Uh, well, he was playing the Stanish at the time. So him and I were what two of the followers at uh, Stanish. So I went in a good company, but I didn't know Wally was going to be a European Cup winner then either. <laughs> but uh, however, when well, I, I became very, very friendly with Billy, and because I had done that for him, that we training night that night to sum it all up, I was his friend for life. And uh, I would go down there to see him play. They'd come up and see us play. One of his ambitions was to play for Stirling Albion. He was not going to get that ambition. And he was always a bit annoyed at that. And uh, when I was, I went to Stanish Muir then. I went to Stirling Albion. Went on the championship with Stirling Albion in 65. And got a bad injury again. And an injury recurred. So I put him out again for a couple of years. And Billy used to be, he was playing in the top league and football starting to get under 21 caps. And he was envious to me because I'd played for Stella Albion and he hadn't even been offered a chance to play for him. I thought it was pretty ironic, like, you know. He never changed. He was just Billy Bremner, but he was a wonderful, wonderful player. Uh, and, you know, you just remember when I was offered the position at Aberdeen uh, coming to St. Mern. Billy had been had a year or so at Doncaster as manager and when I was asked to form the management team at Aberdeen, Billy was one of the guys I was thinking of asking to come up and, and work with me. Uh, the Leeds United came in at the time as well and uh, I took in Jockey and Drew and Billy went on to manage Leeds United. But uh, a wee bit, just a wee bit he turned the coin, he could have, he could have been with me in Aberdeen. Uh, but, uh, and his, his, parents, his, his parents actually came from Aberdeen originally, his dad. So, An education here. <laughs> Keep these so stories coming. He's not, <laughs> he's, he's not the only one He's not the only one like Law who comes to Aberdeen. He's got Aberdeen blood. So, and he's not in the Law was fiery as well. So, maybe, maybe, maybe it's in the water. Maybe, maybe they took all the, all the fire out of Aberdeen. <laughs> took them to other places. Your playing career, I think, went on till maybe uh, 1970. Well, your playing yeah. career like, is, is recorded as going on until, but your management career started a couple of years earlier in was, Yeah. What was that early yeah. part of your management career like? Was that a was that an education as well? I know there was yeah. like what, six years at Steny yeah. and then there was what, 12 years but, at Stirling Albion, so you'd managed for a long uh, time before you managed St Mirren yeah. and Aberdeen and all that. Yeah, well, the, the, the years, for, uh, years at Steny was uh, three years and Stirling Albion was four, I think. Uh, I got an injury at still an album and tore up my ligaments in my right knee, which is still still feeling you know, that still had carried that weakness. So I went out of the game for about eight or nine months and come back and played what the back end of the league and and scored a couple of goals and what the run in for the league championship and then I had to 
try and build my knee up. And I went out of the game for a couple of years. I messed about for a year or two, playing on a month here and a month there. But there was... I always had a notion for coaching. I always was a talker on the field. And, and I was quite good tactically in the game. And, and uh, I was playing on month-to-month trials with Alvin Rose. We had an old chairman called Tom Fagan. Who, he wanted to sign me there. I was back playing again. He wanted to sign me on a contract. And I wouldn't sign a, 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 a lengthy contract because when I knew my knee would go every eight weeks, every six or seven weeks, it would collapse. I'd get out again for a couple of weeks. So I would sign a month to month spell for two years. And we were at the top of the league, a European Cup in the year, like 67. And uh, Dennis Muir came back to me to uh, go back as a player coach. And so chairman is, is over said, um, I've got them to come and take you because you're going to be a coach and a manager. That's where you're, you're going to be. And I went to Dennis Muir as a player coach for a month or two. Then they offered me a job as a manager after that. And, and, and one of the reasons why they offered me was that uh, they were at the bottom of the league and tourist team and, and two Scottish leagues at the time and uh, there, there was a man called Jimmy Weir and he was a secretary and a chairman called Pierre Cowan and Jimmy Weir because there was no manager Philip Stensby had never had a manager before Jimmy actually kind of run the management side of it but the board wanted to to make a change there and they, they offered me the chairman pulled me in one day and he was a great big man funny man Pierre Cowan and he offered me the position. I would have liked to be the manager of his tennis here. Now, we'll give you a bit of time to think about it. Uh, outside the door, I'm take 10 minutes and come back in and tell me. Give me your <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Did so you I need your 10 minutes? I said, I don't think I need 10 minutes. I'll, I'll take on it. And then I picked up the training and picked up and got one or two good players and then gradually after two or three years we started making uh up once in the league, making moves up the league. Uh, we went to Ibrox, played them and played them in the, the League Cup quarter final, double legger. We had lost the first game to Rangers and it was Rangers European Cup Cup winners team in seventy three. So this is something for So we we lost heavily at home, and then we went to Ibrox and beat them two one. And uh, <laughs> I thought Big Joe Wallace was going to lynch me, but anyway, <laughs> we 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 won again, played really well, and then two or three months later, Bob Shankly had was the general manager of Stirling. He was very very famous. I'd been a very successful manager. He he was the general manager at Philadelphia and he came on and offered me the position. Said he had been watching me for ages. And then he invited me there. And uh that was a wonderful decision. Because I was I had seven and a half years under Bob. He died after that, you know, and seven and a half, eight years. And he gave me seven and a half, eight years of his of his knowledge. His experience—it's like an encyclopedia, actually. If I just need to ask him a question, it was puzzling me. He would give me the answer and tell me why, give me all the reasons why I should do that way. 
So I learned so much from him. Which you then clearly and, took uh, on into St Mirren. I took on. Yeah, after we, after we won the league championship, we still had a very good team at Stirling. We built a very good side. Eighty-three, eighty-four. I started working with the SFA and with one of the younger under eighteen, under seventeen international teams, and uh, we we went and qualified in Europe for the World Championships in Chile, nineteen sixty-five. And I, I withdrew from the tournament because St. Norman had came to me and offered me their job. It's it's interesting because I think for, for Aberdeen fans, St. Mirren is probably where you come on their radar when they, when they think about your time prior to coming to Petaudry. But obviously there was the famous Scottish Cup win in 87. But what people maybe forget or don't appreciate today is that Dundee United side that you, you beat in the final with the UEFA Cup finalists. Yeah, that's right, Paul. Aye. And, and the other thing, the other thing about that was that uh, the St. Mirren team were all, were all Scottish boys. And it's the last team to win the Scottish Cup all Scottish. You know, as the last British team to win the Scottish Cup. You must be very proud of that. was all, and you're not very proud of it. And there was, they were all homemade. Where a lot of them developed in Alex early days. It's uh, Tony Fitzpatrick, uh, 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 Billy Abercrombie, Frank McGarvey, uh, Stevie Clark. I don't know if Stevie was one of his. I don't think it was. No, he came just after it. Yeah. Uh, Players like that were all in that, that club, Campbell Money. And and they were really some non orientated players. Uh, but they, they, the best the, the best uh, efforts was European getting into the Cup Winners' Cup on several occasions and doing quite well. Uh, playing against uh, Dutch teams playing against Roger Hewlett and these guys they, they experienced a bit of that but they could never get past the semi-final in the Scottish Cup they go to the semi-final a few times they couldn't get by there and they hit the bar then I got them all in the dressing and spoke to them and I said well he's a lot of good young players Fergie raved about a lot of you in fact he used to compare I hold these guys up against it, the Aberdeen players to make them play better at the start of his career. And uh, why have we not managed to, to buy these semi-finals and why have we not managed to do better in the league? And uh, I think we could do a lot better. I think the players here, I think we can... We're not, we're not going to get relegated. We're in the middle of the league. We're not going to get any league positions this year. But we can win the Scottish Cup. So they're looking at me. And I'm sitting on a stool. Let's say this, Paul. Right, let's say this. I'm sitting on a stool with a red, brand new red tracksuit top and a white polo shirt underneath it. And they called me him, Star Wars, 
Captain Cook. See, there was sitting on the stool, Captain Cook. So one, so one of them, one of them said that at the time, and I went into absolute stitches. Yeah, I know the outfit you're talking but about. Yeah, that's in the And then the final itself, as you said, well, then the United playing the first leg of the European final in Glastonbury before they play in us and I go across to see them play they, they lost a very poor goal actually and I came back and uh, and we, we, we beat them uh, after extra time and it was a tough good time game tactical game uh, and we come in top Ian Ferguson scored a great goal 8 minutes to go in extra time there was 36,000 Southern fans at the game, I did. 52,000 people at the game, there were 36 of them. Southern fans. And it was a crazy night. It was an amazing, amazing night. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. So Alex, obviously... After after St Mirren, Scottish Cup success. I think you only spent about two and a half years there. In the end, yeah, like that. obviously you become aware of Aberdeen, the the pinnacle of management. Um, the Pitodry bigwigs come calling for you. What do you what do you remember about how that all unfolded and taking the job and then forming your the well the co manager set up with Jockey Scott and then Drew Jarvie coming oh, on board yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, well, that was quite intriguing as well when I. I'd always got on quite well with Mr. Donnell uh, and Alec. I used to go up and see Alec before all his European ties and sit in his big office and chat for 20 minutes or so. It was quite a, quite a good relationship with Aberdeen, actually. And uh, so, St. was an unusual club. They were a great smashing club, but they had political problems within, you know. You could never accept success when they got it. They would they would be one of these clubs that would work the opposite way and take them away from success. They were almost frightened of it. But anyway, uh, I fell out with the chairman. I, I left. Within a day, I had got an offer from Rangers uh, to go and take over the whole youth set-up that I brought run the whole you set up up to Walter and Graham and uh, SFA asked me if I'd go to Budapest to give a rundown on on the big centre half that to, uh, came and played for Manchester United Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown who were in charge of the Scottish teams at the time phoned me the same day as I lost my job and uh, asked me they go to Aberdeen, they go to Dundee that night to see Aberdeen and Dundee United playing at Dents Park in the semi-final replay Dundee 
And I said, no, at first, and then said, come on, we're not taking off, right? you're, you're coming. So I went up to that game on the Wednesday night. Well, I left, I left my position on Wednesday morning. And when I got up, I met the chairman in Aberdeen and his son and Bobby Morrison and the corridor at Dens Park. And he offered me a position at Aberdeen. Come right away and he needed somebody to come and work along with Ian uh, Porterfield. He felt that Ian needed somebody to knew the ins and outs of games in Scotland. So I took a fortnight to make up my mind whether I should go to Aberdeen or go to Rangers. Eventually, one day, Scotland Rangers next day I was going to Aberdeen. I eventually decided to go to Aberdeen because I was going to be working with first-team players. And I actually got a phone call from Wally and Alec, who were on international duty, who were really keen for me to come to Aberdeen. And when I got to the Portfields, I was having some problems with his young family in Aberdeen and decided to want to give up. Aberdeen then offered me the position of manager and to set up management, set up a management team rather than employ uh, just coaches. I thought that was a good, I thought that was a good idea. And uh, so I thought, and that took a week or two, went around two or three people who I thought would be good at it. Then I went, I decided to go for Jockey and Drew. And uh, Jockey was a manager at Dundee, of course, and Drew was his assistant, so it was quite a lot to ask Jockey to leave a manager's job, come and be an assistant. So, I suggested that we should, okay, uh, you'll be my co-manager. And I'll be the manager, you'll be the co-manager. You and Drew can take most of the training. I'll take some of it near the end of the week. But uh, I'll make the big decisions when the big decisions have to be made and, and we'll work for there accordingly. The season you won the Cup with St Mirren, it was, that was Graham Sunis and David Murray in town at, at Ibrox. Like, did did you feel the effects of that changes as you're starting at Pitodri? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see, I can still, I can see the kind of uh, resemblance of uh, these times, you know, uh, because Rangers, as soon as I just came in at Ibrox, uh, of course, you know, and it was a revolution. He came in, you know. With loads of money, he's going to be buying all the best. And he brought up Butcher, as you know, he brought up the goalkeeper, Chris Woods, he brought up all these international players. And at Aberdeen, we had the nucleus aside from from uh, Alex time. We still had Miller McLeish, we still had McKimmy, uh, we had Jim Bett, we had. Uh, uh, on players like that so we had some really good players but we we felt the way Rangers were going so I decided we needed to get look at other markets an agent in Holland there's good goalkeepers in Holland I tried to get Campbell money for St. Martin he was a, a tremendous goalkeeper but they wouldn't they wouldn't talk to me they wouldn't have company what I needed was to get a really top-class goalkeeper to come in and replace Jim Lane. Couldn't you replace him with an ordinary goalkeeper just coming up the way? Not an ordinary Scottish goalkeeper. He wouldn't have to handle the pressure of 
think all of his reign, the legend he was, the quality he was, I had to get somebody. And I phoned this agent in Holland. We called Don Van Dalen. Turned to be a great friend of mine. So he actually, he, uh, he told me, he says, I've got a goalkeeper, he said. He's 21 year old. He's six foot three. He's played in Enskiri. He's first team for the sixth team. Uh, he's been four or five seasons in the first team. He's really good. He needs to go to a bigger club. And I think I'll be able to get him to come over. If you come and have a look at him. So I says, OK. So that was the start. I went over. And I insisted that he come back to Scotland and have a look at Aberdeen. And then we're down to Lags, where the summer coaching school for goalkeepers was going on. They'd go and work with the Scottish goalkeepers down there for a couple of days. Just to endorse my opinion on him. And he was outstanding. I don't know what cousin says, don't wait till you get him up there. Yeah, I'm saying before you get him up there. So. Anyway, I got I got to you. And that was a start. The only one that stands out that everyone always talks about is Hans Heelhaus and how, how good he was in his short time at the club. And I think today is 32 Two years, years to the day, to you the signed day him. since you signed him. Do you remember Do you remember how that one came about? Because obviously he All was right. different. He wasn't He wasn't so much of an, an unknown quantity in that he'd, I think he'd played in a European Cup final for PSV Eindhoven or something the season before. He came married yeah. and came, like that just yeah, wouldn't happen right. nowadays. The landscape of football has changed so much that if you played in a European Cup final, there's no chance you're coming to Aberdeen. But do you remember how you managed to snare him? Oh, oh it's a great story, uh, Ryan. I mean, I'd, I'd signed the you know, I then signed the big boy Hans, uh, the, the, the big boy uh, Van de Ven. I signed Paul Mason, and that's a great story too. And they were all very good. What we were and we were strengthening the team. And then Van Dalen phoned me up one day and he said, "I've got a striker for you." I said, "Oh, that's great." He says, "He's uh, for Eindhoven, ESV Eindhoven, European Cup winner last year." He says, uh, "I think I can get him." I says, "You kidding me on?" He says, no, he says, as he was his name, he says, Heelhouse, Hans Heelhouse. Oh. He says, I'll send you a video. Over. So he sent me a trip across. And he showed me this video. I was jumping up and down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I found him, I says, oh, what, what, what can we get him out of? Do they want to come when they come? He says, I think I can get him to come. All right. I said, what is it going to cost us? He says, oh, 500. I said, 500? He says, oh, I think it'll be 500, 600, something like that. I said, right, I'm interested. Send his tape over. So he sent the tape over and I watched him jump up and down. So then jockey, I get on the jockey. And this is no any... Uh, like a jockey in any way. Jockey's great judgment. But he's pernickety. You know, he was always that particularly with strikers. That was his he was a great striker jockey and his his level of judgment for a striker was way up there. 
I couldn't go to see this game on the Friday that you know, was going to be playing it, the reserve game, that organised this game. This whole I said, jockey. And I'm waiting and jockey coming back. Oh, the weekend he comes back. I says, well, he said, ah, no, ah, I'm not sure. I says, jockey. I said, I've just watched him again on the tape. I says, he's great in the air. He's quick. He's two-footed. He's a scorer. What do you think wrong with him? Oh, I didn't see him running in behind too often. As he's running behind, he was fed up hitting the violin jockey. Uh, the day I watched him. Anyway, right, that's okay. We've got another game arranged on Friday, another reserve game. We're going over, I'm taking you, you're coming with me. And we'll go and watch him again. So away we went. And I said to jockey, right, and it make it mean stand, you sit in that end, I'll sit in that end. And we'll, get, we'll meet at half time. The jockey went one end, I went another. At half time, I'm away getting them. Come on, and after 15 minutes, I'm jumping up and doing desperate to get them. So I'm going to get them before anybody else gets them. So I get jockey and we got the stairs, have a cup of tea and speak to the officials. And after the game, we go out in a restaurant and we have a nine home and we get on. And we talk the business. And we kind of agree to tell uh, Here's the thing. I put that to Ryan. In Aberdeen at that time, and in football that time, the manager done all these kind of trans- transfers and different things. You went and watched them, see them play. You judged them. You made the judgment whether you're going to sign them. You go and you would do the business with the opposition with the opposition clubs. And Aberdeen worked that way. Aberdeen worked with the chairman and the two directors. And you had a meeting with him at lunchtime when you had, uh, had something to discuss with him. And the chairman had a way of doing things. You would get around it, all the questions about why do we need him, what's he going to bring us, what will he do for us, blah, 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 until you get to the usual bit. And what's it going to cost us? Well, I got to know that quite quickly. And I knew that if I've got to ask for a wee bit more so I have a wee bit to play with if there's... So I asked for uh, 650 grand, 700 grand. And they would say to me, don't let it drop for 10, 15,000, 20,000, get the job done. So I'd come back, I'd, I'd get them for, I them for 600 grand. and gave them change back. And they loved that. They <laughs> loved it. Uh, so all my deals... All my deals are done that. I always ask for more and then give them change back for them. You know, I kept myself a wee bit, a wee bit to play with. But with bottom, and honest to God, that boy, we sat in that, that restaurant that night, and there was no chance he wasn't going to say he wasn't going to come here, but he knew he was coming. And he was coming because he smelled us had been at him, and Mason and the other couple of guys had been at him. And he wanted to get away from Holland. He was and kind of in a rut in Holland after having one of you been caught with him. He was sensational. Sensational. And when he came across and he played in a trial game, you know, I had bought him to come. This is important in the story. I'd bought him to come in to replace Charlie. 
the great Charlie Nicholas, who came up for Arsenal, the London star, came up, Ian Portfield had brought him up, wasn't quite doing it for Aberdeen. He's playing with young Paul Wright as a striker, a young one, a, a good young player, but still inexperienced. And Charlie was talking about going away to France in the, in the summer time. So in the first training session, um, I've got I've brought Neil House to come over to play with Van der Aert, who's six foot six. I brought Van der Aert to play for with Charlie, thinking Charlie played with a big boy at Arsenal. It's a big boy to play with him. So anyway, when I brought over Neil House in the first training session, and they went to the small-sided games, I, I pair him up with Nicholas. And right away I see a, I see a combination coming from them. An understanding. An ability to read each other's play. Like Jockey Scott and we, we Gordon Wallace had been day. Uh, and, uh, and we call that... I used to love wondering how players, particularly quick, sharp players, strikers up front, could move about so quickly. And yet, know which wherever each one was running and what they were going to do, 25, 30, 40 yards away. And they could, and they would combine and create a goal for, for nothing. And discovered what that was after we well, uh, I went, I spoke to a couple of pros at the university in Spillan, and, and what they called it was shared, was shared mental models. So if you still want to work hard together and improve the, Already, we already have that connection. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's shared mental models, and it's the science of reading of minds done at pace and skill. Now, that time I didn't know that, I just knew that it's too. But we were going to the Fairman to play on the Saturday, and the, the striking, the team respect and the striking partnership was going to be Van der Aert, Nicholas. No, Van der Aert and Hughhouse. That's what it was going to be. And I went to my bed on the Friday night in the hotel at Dunfermline. I got up in the morning and Jockey says, well, you made up your mind on that position up front. I says, aye. I'm going with Hughhouse and Nicholas. Jockey says, you can't do that. You've told, you told the chairman, you told the chairman that you're bringing in this player to replace Nicholas. I said, no, he's replacing Van der Aert today. We'll handle that. We'll handle that once we see how the game develops. And honestly, it was sensational. The rest is history. The rest was history. And he, he was a fantastic player, for, and it was worth it. And what that had done when he came into the, into the dressing room, the players could see a, another top player coming into the dressing room. He's another player. He's another. We're, getting, we're going to be able to take on Rangers. And be, well, being Celtic at the time anyway, we were going to take on Rangers and compete with them and match them in their big money stuff coming to their market in England, which is costing them a fortune. We get one of the best players in Europe for 650 grand, and he was outstanding. Now, he should have, he was great for us when I was there. Wonderful player. And after my period when I left, he hurt very few games for Aberdeen. And uh, I don't know what happened there. Well, they didn't play him. In fact, no, none of the Dutch players played again after that. other than Schneller. But that was our most that was an exciting part for Aberdeen. It was an exciting part, and I should have shouted more 
the supports, how good that team was. I should have shouted how good the Paul Mason was and how he was. I should have, I should have spoken more openly. Instead, I was quite humble on my my praise and always kept things kind of pretty pragmatic, you know. Uh, which, uh, because they were, they, 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 it was great time, it was great experience. I mean, I used to leave Aberdeen every second week on a Tuesday at 12 o'clock, go out to the airport at 1 o'clock, get a half past one flight to Amsterdam. I'd get, go to a hotel at the airport, turn around, but now I'm picking up. We'd go to a game, see one of these players playing, and uh, in the morning, get up in the morning, and get get the plane at quarter past seven to Edinburgh, to Aberdeen, and be back in Aberdeen in Petodre at nine o'clock, and on the training field at, at, at quarter to ten, twenty minutes to ten, and the players didn't even know I was uh, out, out of Aberdeen, never been in, in Holland, and I done that regularly that season to create that team. That's it for part one of the Northern Goal interview with former Aberdeen manager Alex Smith. Next time, we'll talk about signing 1989 League Cup hero Paul Mason, how Alex managed to snare him from Holland. There's also, of course, more chat about not only the League Cup in 1989, but also the Scottish Cup in 1990 and the dramatic penalty shootout against Celtic that decided it. We'll have to, of course, talk about May 11th, 1991, the day Aberdeen came so close to beating Rangers to the top flight title. We'll also talk about Alex's departure from the Dons as well as his time at Ross County. But that's it for part one. If you've enjoyed this episode of Northern Goal, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can also email us any queries or questions. If you've got anything to Ask Alex, for example, you can you can email us that in and we'll try and put it to him when we sit down to do part two early next week. You can email those questions and queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. But yes, that's it for this episode. Enjoy whichever football games you're watching this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.